Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome in here. Day after Election Day. It's ponytail weather. Uh, it's also, I have the space heater next to the fan. What's wrong, John? You're already making I'm just, faces. I'm going to have to really start growing my hair quickly then. I, I'm not ready for ponytail weather. You made the comment the other day that you can tell what the weather is based on how I have my hair. I thought yeah, you would right. appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, just so it would be a little curly if it wasn't in the ponytail. Anyway, <laughs> so the, I have the space heater next to the fan. It's just I'm just alternating. Yeah, which is going today. So, um, but it's going to cool off tomorrow. How did how did council races turn out? Yeah, boy, a, a fascinating night. And I noticed this. Uh, I was watching the returns come in last night in Shawnee because, well, that's where I live, and it's been under kind of a microscope because of what's going on with the the ouster or not ouster yet of the man who had been the city manager uh, because of the, the the controversy over an email that contained a video of him doing things that you really don't want to see your city manager doing. And we wondered yesterday, first of all, about their, their being campaigning on this and the fact that I had gotten a text message from somebody who was running for Shawnee City Council. And the text message itself kind of alluded to that. And, you know, if this is what you want out of your council, well, then, you know, uh, keep those people in there. But if not, then vote for you know somebody different. And, it, and so I kept that in mind as I was watching the returns come in. And when the first batch hit, everybody who was on city council, including a city council member who was running for mayor, were losing. And I thought, OK, that's interesting, but it really doesn't mean much because they were very, very early returns. Turns out that's exactly what happened. There was one open seat that was being contested. And then there were two incumbents that were running for re-election on Shawnee City Council. And then one city councilman who was running for mayor. Both of the incumbents that were running for council seats and the one who was running for mayor all lost last night. Now, I can't say... That's entirely because of the situation with, uh, with with the former city manager. But, I mean, clearly, if there was campaigning late in the going on that issue, there were folks who wanted it to be the way of things. Again, I would love to know, and I said this yesterday, um, how many people cast their ballots via absentee before this story broke? I don't yes. have the window in front of me when absentee ballots first went out. I think they... Uh, I think they have to be returned a week after the election, but it's different in different states. But I think you could have gotten them a couple of weeks ago. 
Yeah. So I wonder how many people, and I, I mention it only because I don't know what voter turnout is in Shawnee. Right. But it's the kind of thing where just a few votes could make a difference. To put that in perspective, and by the way, the mayor's race was very, very close. Uh, Michael Sandifer ended up winning. Uh, he beat Mike Kemling by about 300 votes. So it was fairly close. But uh, even in that mayor's race, there were only about 14,000 votes cast. So if you take the entire population of Shawnee, that's not a big number. Uh, so it didn't seem to drive a whole lot of voter turnout. But yeah, how that uh, how that measured up against the rest of the area would be an interesting thing to know. Um, there were also a couple of ballot issues that I'm, I'm looking into to see who won on those as well. But it was just it was one of those little things that stuck out. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep an eye on this and see how the incumbents do. And the answer was not well at all. OK, so connect the dots for people that haven't been following the political side of this about how Doug Gerber, what the vote in favor of him was when he first got the job. It, it matters with the incumbents not being there. Right. Well, and he was appointed. He was appointed by the council. And that's why, I mean, if you're looking at this from a purely single issue standpoint, and it, I'm sure it wasn't that, I, you know, I'm sure that there, there were people in Shawnee who voted on more than one issue. But if you were looking at this from just a single issue standpoint, the the appointment of Doug Gerber by the board was criticized by the current mayor and a former mayor as being a situation where they were effectively appointing a yes man. That they were all they wanted was a city manager who was going to do the bidding of the board or the city council, rather, and therefore usurp some of the power of the, of the mayor. Now, you can understand why the current mayor wouldn't like that, but a former mayor wasn't real pleased with it either. So if Doug Gerber and the problems with not only the fact that this email was sent out, but with the way that the board handled it after the email was sent out, if you were going to blame that on anybody, you would figure you would blame it on the people who were there on the council at the time. So if this was a backlash against him and against this entire situation happening, then this is the this is the result that you would expect. If we have if any of you listening live in Shawnee, 913-586-7798, because I don't um how informed is the general public about, you know, about council members? That's I mean, I'll point. be I live in Kansas City where I pay pretty close attention. And I would have to study pretty hard in council races. And I don't know how much information is out there and how you make that decision. Sure. And usually that's the case, right? I mean, how many people really follow what goes on on city council day by day by day? Well, look at the, I mean, if 14,000 people is a low number for voter turnout, how many people do you think show up at city council meetings? A dozen? Right. A couple right. dozen, maybe? So with that, you're right. And, and, and it does show that, I mean, in a situation like that, we're normally... I thought it was interesting because some places do this and some don't. On the ballot yesterday in Shawnee, uh, when we went to vote, and there were a few people there, but it was nowhere near the turnout that we've seen in bigger elections, so that wasn't much of a surprise. But I had forgotten about this. Uh, they do not note incumbency on the ballot. Right. Some places do. They'll put a little yeah. I next to the person who's in it. Shawnee, they don't. And, and in fact, the way that you show up on the ballot is alphabetical because they don't want any of that messing with the result so um it was up to the voters i guess to kind of figure out where they were going to go with their votes but the mayor's race was closer than most of the council races were if you voted in any you don't tell us how you voted um but what decided it for you how did you decide whether you were going to keep incumbents in place or not there uh worth mentioning aaron coleman did not get elected to the uh, Turner School Board. It was the one thing I was paying attention to last night. Yep. 
uh, and I wasn't paying close attention to election results at all. Um, it, it, for those who missed that, there were five, uh, excuse me, there were four at-large seats. There were four incumbents and Aaron Coleman. Early on, he was trailing in the voting. By a lot. And yeah. he ended up losing by a lot. In fact, I think his eventual vote total was 307. And it was funny because I was in a discussion group online a little bit earlier this morning, and there were people asking, how did he even get 307 votes? I was just going to ask, who are the 307 people? <laughs> but if you think about that, go back to what we just said about the ballot in Shawnee. I'm sure that the one in the Turner School District was the same, where having a last name that starts with C his name was probably pretty high up on that ballot, which means people who didn't even know him or know about him and just went, okay, one, two, three, four, five. All right, those are my votes, would have had his name in there. And I'm sure that, I mean, if you have 300 people who do that, then that's enough to kind of move that needle. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, even at this point, he's probably got at least six friends. <laughs> and so then the question is, what's he going to run for next? Because <laughs> yeah. yes. he's not done. So what's the next thing? If you don't make it onto the school board, yeah, I'm not minimizing the school board. I, I, I should take that back. School boards are incredibly important. More people should run for them. It's it's a really impactful job. What what's what now? Sure. What does he do? And and I mean, it's funny because you say, well, he's not done. What is he? Twenty one now. I can't remember if it's 21 or 23, but yeah, 21 might be right. Yeah, not done. I mean, he's he's, he's got potentially 40 or 50 more years where he could be running for office. It's, uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows how long he's going to keep this up before he becomes infamous enough that people just see his name on the ballot and go, uh-uh. Can he go to college for a while first? Can he go <laughs> and, like, get some life experience? Uh, you know, we had, when I lived in Illinois, um, Adam Kinzinger, who went on to become a congressman from Illinois for quite a while until recently. Um, he is from my hometown. And so um, when I was working in Illinois, he was the youngest member ever elected to the McLean County Board, which includes Bloomington. Uh, it's pretty high population there. He was 25 when he got on the county board, which was a big deal. That county board had a lot of power there. And he was incredibly effective. And I mean, he became a congressman and, and very popular. So it can be done at a young age. Oh, sure. But he had a lot of savvy, I mean, Air Force veteran, you know, did it the right way. And keep in mind, I mean, with Aaron Coleman, he was in the Kansas legislature when he was barely out of high school. Right. Now, going back to Shawnee for a sec, because I want to address a couple of the things that are coming in on the text line, because I think this is indicative of the fact that it was not a single uh, single issue election. Um, one person said Democrats and Republicans sent out cards to Shawnee residents showing which ones you should vote for based on party affiliation. That's another thing that's not on the ballot. And in fact, with a lot of the people that were running for council, if you went to their web pages, they didn't say, I'm Bob Smith for Shawnee City Council Democrat or Republican. They didn't even list it on their own pages. So right. it would be, yeah, you're right. It would be up to the party at that point to let you know who's who. Somebody else said, I voted in Shawnee. I voted for the mayoral candidate who came to my door campaigning. I figure a person willing to take the time to meet the town residents is a person willing to get things done. That's an incredibly powerful thing. And I like that. I, I like that that's how you made your decision. Oh, yeah. And I will say this time around, we had nobody show up at our door. Nobody campaigning, no no proxies, no kids going, hey, I'm here for Bob Smith for city council. Uh, it, it just it didn't happen in our in our neighborhood. But I'm glad that you met somebody that you figured you could vote for based on having that kind of conversation. Uh, if you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. Uh, we'll take a break. I want to talk about a decision that the governor of Delaware 
has made. It just happened to coincide with the election, but I think it's interesting. We'll get to that. There's also just been an announcement made from the KC Sports Commission about a new pro sports team we're getting. This is the first I'd ever heard that we were even considering this. We'll get to all that coming up here on KMBZ. 913-586-7798. We are working to uh, get on the air with us, our friends from the KC Sports Commission and Kathy Nelson, because of an announcement that was just made about a new pro sports team. No, it's not basketball. <laughs> you that know, we are getting in Kansas City. <laughs> you know, people were going, really, we're getting a basketball team fight? Yeah, no, no not so much. It's the only one that we're not going to have, as far as I can tell. Uh, there are a couple others we can talk about. But um, volleyball is what is coming to Kansas City. And I'm just going to open this up. Is it, listen, Kathy Nelson knows what she's doing. We would not be getting this team if there wasn't demand for it. I didn't know that demand was there, but that's okay. If you are going to go, if you have interest in this and insight into how big this is, give us a call. I tell you what, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. 913-586-7798 and hit us on the text line as well. Um, I, I think you're right. I mean, first of all, you, it's no it's no mystery that Kathy Nelson knows exactly what she's doing. She's very, very good at her job. So she must see the demand there. The other thing that I've noticed is when it comes to club sports, high school sports, college sports, volleyball around here at that level is huge. I mean, to the point that it's talked about among adults a lot more than any other place that I've been. So, okay. you know, clearly that that interest is already there. So to take the next step and say, okay, would those same kids who are playing on club volleyball teams now or trying to get a scholarship at a college, you know, trying to go to KU or wherever, uh, by, by being good at volleyball in high school, would they have the interest to go watch a professional match? And I think they probably would. And not just that. I think with it being big, there's a lot of talent as well. Nebraska is very good at volleyball. K-State and KU are very good at volleyball this year. And to give those athletes a chance to go make some money and play at the professional level for a hometown hometown team close to, you know, Nebraska, Kansas, Kansas City, whatever it is, I think that'd be great. Yeah, and I've got to tell you, I don't know anything about professional volleyball or how they do things, but that's kind of my hope with it, is that that's what they're going to do. Whatever professional team exists here is going to draw from Midwest talent. Especially because the other teams, several other teams in this league, uh, this Pro Volleyball Federation, this new league, are, are, Omaha's got a team. Dallas is going to be getting one. I mean, so it would be kind of in the same part of the country. So we don't know the name of the team. They will start playing in 2025. The league gets underway early next year uh, with the inaugural season. Features seven teams based in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Atlanta, Georgia, Columbus, Ohio, Orlando, San Diego, Omaha, and Las Vegas, and then Dallas will have an expansion team set to play uh, in 2025. It doesn't say exactly where they're going to play, but they mention as one of the many things that makes Kansas City great right now is they they specifically say we are home to the new stadium for women's um, women's soccer, but they call it first of its kind stadium for a women's professional sports team where the Kansas City Current will play next year, CPKC Stadium, which I need to get through my head. The big cupcake. Just call it that and everything will be fine. <laughs> that's, every time I look at CPKC, my brain says cupcakes. So that stadium will forever, in my in my mind, be the big cupcake. And yeah, I think that's part of it, too. The fact that women's sports is a big enough deal around here that not only do the current exist, but they're getting a new stadium and it's a place that they feel like they can fill. 
Yeah, I know. So I know. Text line. I know. I, I, I was fully prepared when, when I first saw this announcement for people to be yelling, <laughs> why pro volleyball? Why pro volleyball? Why? Because there's demand, like you said, and it's not a huge league yet. And I don't know how many players they need to draw from, yeah. but there's enough for us to have a team. Why not? And you know, Jamie, if I don't like it, nobody likes it. Don't you know that? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's the way too many people look at it, unfortunately. But look, if it doesn't matter if you ever go to see a game. If they fill the place up with people who aren't you, they're going to be really, really happy. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's it's kind of cool for women's sports to be having such a moment in Kansas City with soccer and then with volleyball. I sure. mean, that's that doesn't hurt. Um, I'm learning a little bit more about uh, the couple that is own Missy and Kent McCarthy own this team. Uh, there's a lengthy release here. Uh, they have a longstanding history with sports in the Kansas City area. More than 20 members of their extended family attended KU. Currently, their son and daughter play for KU and basketball and volleyball programs, respectively. I would love to know what's behind that. A couple gets together and said, let's start a team and <laughs> yeah. let's own a team. Yeah. Okay. And I'll, I'll bet it is exactly that. I'll bet it's history. And they even go into, I mean, listen to some of these numbers. When we were talking about club volleyball in high school and all of that, According to Heart of uh, according to the press release, Heart of America Volleyball, a regional organization based in Kansas City, Kansas, has approximately seventeen thousand club volleyball players and three thousand coaches. There are also fifteen college volleyball programs just in the Kansas City area alone, which include teams from all college athletic governing bodies. So yes, there is interest, and if you go to those games, you'll see that it's not just parents sitting in the stands. Here's a text we got, and this is this is the kind of stuff I want to hear. Somebody just said, I would go see matches. Love me a good volleyball match. It is fast-paced and strategic. I had a high school coach who was on the 84 Olympic volleyball team and have loved it ever since. Cool. I, I like the I like the fast-paced and strategic part. Any sport that moves quickly sure. is going to appeal to me. Well, and, and look at what's going on in the Olympics uh, since 1984 when it was volleyball the way that you and I would conceive of it, like in a gym on a floor with, what is it, six players aside, five players, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, you can tell I'm really into it. But, uh, it, but yeah, I mean, beach volleyball was added, and that was a big deal to the point where the professional men's beach volleyball leagues um, have been very successful. And, again, Yes, success is relative. They don't pull in NFL kinds of dollars, but they pull in enough dollars to keep the thing going and to pay their players. So that's good enough. I assume this is women's volleyball. Yes, it is. Okay, it doesn't explicitly say that, but it mentions it in several places. Just because I know volleyball generally to be a women's sport, because somebody just asked, is it women's or men's? I Yeah, this is, this is women's volleyball. Um, again, we don't know exactly where they're going to play. I don't know how many games a year women's soccer play to where how many dates are going to be taken up at that stadium. And I don't know how much their seasons overlap. They're not saying that's where they're going to play, but they call it a women's professional sports stadium. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I would, I would think, I mean, that would be a little bit of a tougher sell to try to play. First of all, outdoors, because mm -hmm. you can't play in the rain. Yeah. Uh, and, and second of all, uh, to, to play in a place that's as big as that, because the court is so small, relative to the size of a soccer field, yeah. it's, it's almost undoubtedly going to be some kind of an indoor venue. Um, and that that becomes, okay, does the season overlap or will it draw enough people to use a place uh, like where the Mavericks play? So the, the text line is right. They said, if I'm not wrong, I believe the largest women's sport 
viewing was the women's volleyball match in Omaha, which is correct. The Nebraska team played at the football stadium. They had 92,000 people. They played at wow. a football stadium? And they, wow. They played okay. at Memorial okay. Stadium. Well, yeah, the, then- the Nebraska football stadium, it is the it is on record as the largest women's sporting event ever, 92,000 people. Then let me put my hat in my hands and step down off the podium because, <laughs> hey, look, if you can do it in a football stadium, you can do it in a soccer stadium. Absolutely. Each team will play 24 matches with the season ending in mid-May. So this will be a winter-spring so, sport. Yeah, so that would that would conflict with hockey, uh, yes. but, but not with soccer. So Yes, um, boy, now you got me going through my head of other, other stadiums where they can play. Weather, though. I mean, if you're playing over the winter and into the spring, yeah. then weather's going to be a factor. Yeah, I'm back to thinking this is going to be an indoor when thing. When is this going to start? Could they 2025. Build, could they build something? Sure. Because I know K-State just put up a new volleyball facility, which is re- it's obviously not going to be big enough to be a professional level sized event space, but. Theirs is really nice, and they put it up in, I think, about a year and a half, two years. Well, the naysayers. This team starts 2025, yeah, early it, 2025. And the, and the naysayers on the text line are now outnumbered by the people who, <laughs> who had to let this sink in a minute before they went, yeah, this is going to be awesome. So, yeah, that's starting to slide in a lot now. <laughs> I'm just going to read this text. I didn't make this up. The people complaining about volleyball are the same people complaining about downtown baseball. <laughs> that wasn't us. No, but you're right. Yes, I would have to believe that's the case. Ew, no new thing. No, mm-hmm. let's not have us have a, a new thing ever. Let's talk about the uh, the new airport for a minute, shall we? Oh, <laughs> and is it, no, let's don't. And am I paying for it? Are my tax dollars <laughs> paying for it? No. Uh, if you have thoughts here, 913-586-7799. Again, we're trying to get um, this. I, I didn't see this announcement coming. If I if there was an, a preview of this coming, I totally missed it. So uh, we'll see if Kathy Nelson has time to pop on with us for a few minutes today. All right, we'll take a break here. Uh, coming up, the thing that the state of Delaware is banning when it comes to smoking. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Back here with you on a Wednesday. Uh, All right. So we go to Delaware for this next story. Um, And I just think it's interesting because... uh, for a while, and this is probably 20 years now, uh, was when we started to ban smoking in places. That was the big legislative thing for in a lot of states was let's ban smoking in public places. Then it was, what do we do with vaping? And how do we fit that into those anti-smoking laws? And then we sort of didn't hear about it for a while. Kind of like, okay, we banned it everywhere, we're gonna ban it. Now, Delaware's going a step further. Yeah, uh, they stepped up to the plate and said, okay, let's see what else is there that we can do. And I think a lot of this is because smokers are now such a small percentage of the population that they figure that we can stomp all over you. There's nothing you can do about it. So what they've done is the legislature came up with a measure that was influenced by a bunch of elementary school kids in a very, very small town called Bear, Delaware. Yes, there is one. I even know somebody who lives there. But uh, in in Bear, Delaware, this group of elementary school kids said, hey, legislature, why don't you come up with a bill that would ban smoking in cars if kids are present? And that's what they've done. Yeah. uh, Governor John Carney signed into law a bill that would ban smoking in any vehicle in the state if someone under the age of 18 is an occupant in the vehicle. Um, and it's it, it's pretty clear. They note the CDC's recommendation, which is there is no safe level of exposure to secondhand smoke, even brief exposure, that is going to be safe. I mean, quite frankly, for anyone, but you can't stop people from over the age of 18 from smoking. And so, and we've um, we've talked about that before. I can't remember who we had on from Department of Health in Kansas, but we were talking about vaping, and it's the same thing. Anything that's not pure air, pure clean air, is bad for you. Yes. And so you're in a contained environment like that, and they can't get away from it. That's the real big thing about it. Is, and that's what these kids were saying when they came up with this idea in the first place, is it's the only place where we can't get away from it. Whether it's parents or you know the school bus driver or whoever, we can't just stop the car and get out if we don't want to be exposed to secondhand smoke. So uh, what's going to be interesting now is that Delaware has been successful with this. Will this now start to happen in New York, Massachusetts, uh, you know, places that are sort of adjacent to that. What is confusing to me about this, and you've got the same story I do the last couple of sentences here, is it says law enforcement officials are not able to stop or search any vehicle found in violence. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if they stop you for the smoking because they see you smoking with kids in the car, they can't use that as probable cause to search your vehicle for other things. Right. So, yeah, you're not going to be able to say, okay, um, like, for example, seatbelt use is Mm -hmm. in some cases still is a secondary offense where they can't pull you over for it. But if they pull you over and you don't have your belt on, then you get a ticket for it. They can't use this to do that. Right. Um, It is a civil citation that could be issued for those um, caught in violation. One of the first questions I always have with stuff like this is um, there's going to be a gray area of how old kids look. 
what I like about this is it's going to be pretty easy to tell if there are kids in the car. Yeah. You know, I mean, cause that's, cause just by height and stuff, you're going to be able to tell if there are kids in the car, you're going to be tell you're going to be able to tell in particular if there are littler kids in the car, because if you see car seats or something like that, then you're going to know the gray area is going to be, you know, the 13 year old that looks or the 18 year old that looks 13 or vice versa, you know, or, and, and things like that. My guess is that first they will target where they're sure with the littler kids. Yes. Um, so that there's not, so that they're not wrong. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I don't know how many smokers, you know, John, I, a couple of family members of mine still smoke quite a bit, but they don't even smoke in their house. <laughs> yeah. That's becoming less and less common because you realize that whenever somebody comes over who doesn't smoke, that's the first thing they're assaulted with is that smell. And to your point from earlier about vaping versus smoking, this covers both. You can't yes. do you, any tobacco use in a car, except for chew, I guess, is banned if there's anybody under the age of 18 present. That's cig cigarettes, cigars, vapes, anything that smoke or some kind of uh, particulate matter comes out of can't do it. Uh, the legislation includes any motor vehicle driven on a public roadway, but there are a lot of things that are exempt. <laughs> Anything moved by animal power, human power electric bicycles, off-highway vehicles, special mobile equipment, and farm equipment. Well, most of those are open. Um, yeah, but I know why they did that. At least in some cases, uh, you know, things moved by animal power, that's the obvious one. It's the Northeast. Uh -huh. There's a lot of Amish around. Yeah. Um, the human power thing and the electric bicycles, if you go and you just went a year or two ago to any of the beach communities, if you go to mm -hmm. Dewey Beach or Rehoboth or any of those places along the coast – Bicycle rickshaws are everywhere. That's how you get around because the towns are so small. You don't need to Uber. You know, right. you pay somebody on a bike to do that. So it's interesting that they're going to exempt them, assuming that, you know, if you're there, it's probably open air, first of all, and they're the ones who are working. So they're still going to let them smoke. Um, so it's interesting. Somebody just made the point, uh, the analogy or the contrast between how we treat cigarette smoking versus marijuana yeah. smoking. And you're right. It's interesting. Um, somebody said, I'm flabbergasted that they keep tearing down cigarette smoking, but don't don't make noise over marijuana. Well, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think they do. Uh, any of the places that ban smoking currently, that ban cigarette smoking, you know, indoor establishments and things like that, also ban, you can't smoke yeah. pot in there either. So right. that's already part of it. I think that's why you don't hear as much about it. But I think there will be a bigger fight over that, especially considering the fact that just this morning, and I considered popping this on our list and didn't didn't know this was going to come up, is uh, there was a huge study released that said that marijuana use, smoking or not, is now associated with massive increases in heart disease. So get ready for it. If you haven't heard much about it yet, stand by. Putting Again, putting anything in your lungs that yep. is not pure air is bad for your health. And what is bad for your lungs is going to be, it's going to make your, your heart work harder. Yeah. And so that makes sense. By extension, it's going to be bad for your heart. Sure. Right. And, you know, lung cancer rates and things like that, it's all going to go up. Anything that you breathe in that isn't air. So, uh, yeah, it it does make sense. But you're right. I mean, this is aimed at tobacco specifically. But you're already talking about places, especially. I mean, you can't go smoking a joint driving your car down the road. Yeah. So um, it would be redundant. Yeah, this will just be interesting after the first year to see how many people they actually stop and ticket for this.
because the thing is, it'll be easy to see because cigarette smoke is easy to is easy to see, especially if you're pulling right up next to somebody, you know, um, and especially because they can pull over a vehicle for this. But I think it's so they pull over the vehicle because somebody's smoking with kids in the car. What if they smell pot? They can't search the vehicle <laughs> yeah. and look for it, apparently. Yeah, well, that no, because that that smell itself would be probable cause. OK, um, so, yeah, if you get a big waft of you know, a big cloud of pot smoke that comes out <laughs> of the car, you've already got your probable cause there. Everybody's smoking everything with the kids in the car. <laughs> yeah, right. You know What is wrong with you people? What are you teaching your kids? Uh, if you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. Uh, we'll take a break here. Still to come, we have an update now on the uh, Colorado funeral home where the remains of almost 200 people were found. Get to that update next here on KMBZ. We have been talking a lot about this really fascinating story out of Southern Colorado, where there was this funeral home. Initially, it was 115 sets of remains, we'll call it. Then it was just up to uh, just under 200. Now we have an update on uh, where we are with the criminal case. Arrests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and we were waiting for this. I mean, it was just a matter of time to see how long it was going to take until somebody got arrested behind all of this. And now uh, there are at least two. The man and wife who ran the place, the funeral home owner and his wife, have been arrested uh, after, well, boy, this is great. Hold on to your, your breakfast. According to the AP, they were arrested Wednesday after the decaying remains of at least 189 people were recently found at the facility. So um, did, did you happen to see what the charge was? Yes. Um, John and Carrie Halford oh, there we go. arrested in Wagner, Oklahoma, on suspicion of four felonies, abuse of a corpse, theft, money laundering and forgery. All of those pretty easy to, to figure out where they're going to get the, I mean, where they, where those charges came from. The abuse of a corpse is the most obvious, of mm-hmm. course. The theft is simply taking money to, to dispose of corpses that you never disposed of. I assume um, there can be an abuse of a corpse charge for each of the bodies that was there. It just says abuse of a corpse. Yes. I assume there is one count for each person. You could individualize those. Absolutely. Um, Let's see. He was being held at the Muskogee County, Oklahoma jail. No records to show if his wife might be there. Um, That's all we know about the arrest so far. Yeah. Yeah, I want to know more about like how long they had the details that we don't know yet. Yeah, they go through a lot of the details in here about what we already knew about the mm-hmm. you know, the fact that the company was offering these so-called green burials without embalming fluids and things like that. All of those are peripheral to the fact that they apparently took a whole lot of money to do things they just didn't do. And they left bodies, pardon me, out to rot in garbage bags. And and it, I mean, some of them not even in bags. It was just it was an awful, awful situation. It's interesting to me that they were arrested in Oklahoma. I wondered that too. Considering the fact that this all happened in Colorado, and mm-hmm. it makes you wonder if the reason why we hadn't heard of arrest before this is they were trying to find them. Yeah. Um, the only part of this that I didn't know, or maybe maybe this is in a story already, but that's the first time I'm hearing of it, is that a day after, keep in mind, the way this came to light was there were reports about the smell inside. Uh, and a day after the odor was reported, the director of the state office of funeral home and crematory registration spoke on the phone to Halford. They said he tried to he tried to conceal the improper storage of corpses, acknowledging having a problem at the site and claimed he practiced taxidermy there. I might have heard the taxidermy part. Yeah. And they didn't buy it. 
obviously. <laughs> I said, uh, no. Yeah, well, yeah, well, then what's in all of these bags that are yeah. laying around here? Um, I mean, you, you think about it, and a long time ago, I had the opportunity to talk to a guy who wrote a book, and he was one of the first members of the cleanup crew that was on the ground in Guyana in Jonestown. After oh, wow. after the Jonestown massacre, because, I mean, you figure that those bodies had been there for a while before anybody got there. And I think of this and think that exact same situation. You wonder about the people who walked into that not having any idea. Well, maybe having an idea of what they might run into a place that was run shabbily. But you don't in your mind. I mean, nowhere would you conceive that you would run into 189 corpses that have been left out to rot. I may hate to make this analogy, but I will. Um, it's like the law enforcement that went into Jeffrey Dahmer's home. Yes. For the first time, not knowing what they were going to find. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then finding many things. And just, I mean, they, they initially estimated there were about 115 bodies inside, but after they finished removing all the remains in October, that number had climbed to 189. And I hate to keep going back to this, but I'm going to because I think it's one of the most important parts of the story. Every one of those 189 people had family members or friends who were lied to. And who um, are some of those people don't yet know if their family, if, if the remains that they received yes. were actually their loved one's remains or ground up concrete, which is what was in some of the, the remains that people got. For the people, yeah, that, that said that they wanted a cremation done. Uh, they Several of them have received things that were sand and concrete and just anything but the remains of their relatives because nothing was done with them. And this was all in a way to just keep this scam rolling, apparently. To, to the person that just asked how old these people are, I can't find it anywhere. I was looking that um, up too, yeah. I, I don't see anything that says. I have three versions of the story in front of me. Almost everybody's running the AP version. I've got one out of nine news that is a shorter version, but doesn't have their, I'm, I'm surprised. Normally we would know um, their ages, but it might just be because they're in Oklahoma. Um, again, I assume the felonies are going to stack up. You get them on what you can get them on initially. You get them behind bars and then you stack on the charges. Yes. So. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure there's a district attorney right now going through every law in the state of Colorado going, okay, what can we do here? Because this is the kind of thing, I mean, as we said, we had people that were scammed out of money, but even more than that, their, their wives and husbands and kids and parents were disrespected in this way after their death. And it's just, it's unthinkable and it's unforgivable. Uh, the version of the story that I have points out that Colorado has some of the most lax laws in the country when it comes to regulation of funeral homes and crematories like this. So I would assume, let's see, Colorado legislature gets back into session in January, probably. I would assume this is going to be a priority. Somebody is going to come to come up with legislation that would not allow this to happen Again, in the future. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. that doesn't do you much in this case. But uh, lax laws or not, there's going to be something that these people did that's, uh, that will put them behind bars very likely for a long time. I also wonder if anyone else will be arrested. If anyone else knew, if it was just the two of them. You got to think other people had to have known. Yeah. Um, it happened to the person that just asked. It happened in Colorado. They were arrested in Oklahoma. 
that's the and I don't know the name of that town in Oklahoma. I'd have to look it up to see how close it is uh, or why they were there. But that was one of the things that we were wondering: is where are these people? From the time that this story broke, we hadn't heard anything from them, from a representative of them, from a representative of the funeral home, nothing. And in yeah. fact, to that end, we really haven't heard much from family members, which is a little surprising. No, um, you're right, especially the family members who had been notified. Like, I get it if, you, if you're not talking because you don't know yet, but as they are notifying family members, yep. um, I think we talked about this before, this will be a massive lawsuit against a couple that's not going to have the money to pay it, but this will be, I, I can even see a lawsuit against the state. Like, did they inspect it as often as they were supposed to? Did the county inspect it like they were supposed to? These families are going to look for any recourse financially. Yes, and so. and we have heard from the district attorney that, as you just said, the some of the families have been told, not all of them, because they haven't identified all the remains yet. But he did, in fact, confirm that, according to uh, the AP, that, quote, at least some of the aggrieved families were told that their family members were the ones that were out there. Yes. So we'll keep an eye on this and just see what other details about this uh, come in. While we have a couple of quick minutes, we have several kind of odd stories like this today, but we will go to this one out of Australia again, where um, everything wants to kill you there. And in this case, the guy that was being attacked was not having it and bit back. Um, this was in the Australian Outback, which I spent 36 hours in and can't believe I didn't see anything that made me like turn away and run um, because this is the, the big red part on the map in Australia. There was a guy who said he had been on his way to build some fencing near his home when he was suddenly attacked while stopping at a lake to watch some fish swimming. And he was attacked by a saltwater crocodile. <laughs> um, 10 feet long, uh -huh. tossed him around like a rag doll. And he he's in his sixties and apparently is, is, Kind of used to living in the outback. This, and oh, yeah. This dude is Crocodile Dundee. Absolutely. A 10-foot crocodile. So what did he do? He used the only weapon at his disposal, his teeth. And he bit it in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Which is very go. close to the mouth. Like if I'm, yeah, I've never asked myself if I were to bite a crocodile where I would bite it. If that's the only thing you have close enough to your mouth to bite it, that's that's what you do. Yeah, Colin Devereaux, veteran cattle rancher. Yeah, I'll bet he is. Uh, but you can see this guy in your head, can't you? I, I mean, I oh, just yeah. have, a, have a vision of him in my head. Um, yeah, just working on some fencing, and all of a sudden, this thing comes out of nowhere. And by the way, they do. They're incredibly fast for short bursts, short periods of time. But if they, if they sneak up on you, uh, you're done, except this guy. He said he got away and then it chased him for a while mm -hmm. before he got to his car. Wow. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Just be glad it's not us. All right. We'll take a break here. Coming up at the next hour, a question about uh, certain events that would happen in the workplace or not. Get to that coming up here in KMBZ. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 